Today, joining me on my journey to democratize video for business is an instant management trainer who went from face-to-face -to, -face to video trainings and he has not looked back. This is Video For All. My name's Julian Mather. I'm your host and fellow student. And I ask the question, if customers love them and it's never been easier to make them and we no longer need to be perfect to be on them, then just what is it that is stopping us and our businesses from embracing this powerful tool that is video? Welcome, Dave Greenberg. Thanks, Julian. Pleasure to be here. So I want you to set the scene. Uh, uh, who are you? Where do you work? Who with? Doing what and serving who? Cool. Um, so Dave Greenberg, I grew up in New York City. I came out to, uh, then I was upstate New York and Dallas, ended up in Wellington, New Zealand for one year. That was in 1990. Um, I came out as an IT programmer. And then with my background in being a volunteer firefighter, ended up on the Westpac rescue helicopter here in New Zealand for 25 years in Wellington. And that finished about six years ago and started my own incident management company, training and consulting, mainly with government departments. And business was going really well. And then this thing called COVID hit. And I was lucky enough that I've, I've been with the Ministry of Health on the forefront of the COVID outbreak management here in New Zealand for the last two years. But I knew I'd want to go back to my own business. And so I've managed to keep it going mainly with videos. So when was that? So how did video come on to your, your radar? It, it was an interesting progression. So COVID hit, I had, I guess, about 15 courses lined up for March and April. 2020 and these are and these are face-to-face -face courses you were talking these, about. these yeah. are all face-to-face -face. yeah and then with my biggest client the department of conservation we went to teams and and teams and zoom and played with both of those and it worked better than i ever thought it would not being in the same room and then another government department wanted a different solution and that was a video program and i ended up taking it's essentially one day program about six hours of teaching and we set out and made my own videos and um yeah that that's been a learning process in itself how to do video programs but one of the big learnings early on was face to face you get the interaction and people are asking questions you, and you answer them and as i watched back my videos i realized it was all one-way traffic and so i had to improvise and start saying when i've done my face to face people ask these kinds of questions and because that's the way i get a lot of my answers out there is let people ask the questions instead of just telling them so it's been fascinating going through it all and producing a program. So I did one video program for a government department, and I'm currently cutting a set of videos for a second government department. And then as soon as those are done, I've got a third government department wanting the videos. So yeah, a lot of my um, 
my business now is videos and I'm able to do it alongside a full-time job, which has been quite good. All right. So there's a lot to unpack from what you've just said there. Yeah. Um, just remind me, I want to talk uh, uh, about the expectations of those government departments about the quality of the video that you're making. So could you remind me that to, to get back to that? But I want to go back, right back to you said that you used and experimented with Teams and Zoom. Did you find any difference between the two pros and cons? a lot of difference in the two years ago when i started teams wasn't really that good they they've done a lot of improvements in teams since the um march 2020 and i i think a lot of that was down to i've i had already been using zoom so i was a bit familiar um but my biggest challenge was some government departments want to allow their people to use zoom they could only use teams so i was forced into that learning teams right but was there uh pros and cons be between them if you okay let, let me phrase it this way if you had to choose one which one would you choose uh i probably use them equally now uh 50 50. if if i had to absolutely choose i think i'd go zoom i think it just has a few more features that make it easier so what now let's go back to when you were doing the face-to-face -face courses uh, and then all of a sudden COVID came and this whole video virtual world was put in front of you. What were your fears and worries and concerns and anxieties about taking your training video virtual? Well, as you've talked about in some recent stuff of yours, um, hated my voice, hate watching myself be on video. That's despite I've been on three reality TV show programs here in New Zealand. Um, I did all the media stuff for the for Life Flight when I was with them. So I'm comfortable in front of a camera, but I never watch it back. And, um, or very rarely did I watch it back. And, um, my biggest problem was getting customers to accept it. When when the pandemic started, everything had to be face to face. That was the only way government, but the government departments I deal with thought that training could be done. And yeah, it was a learning process for them and for me. So and then what was the process that you went through? I mean, did you actually, did you make uh, content or do a session and go here, have a look at this or uh, how hard was it? Well, basically I took my PowerPoint from my face to face. I broke it down into modules. I knew that I have trouble for sitting for an hour in front of a screen. So I had to chunk it down to manageable bits and we tried it. And, um, and I was very lucky that the learning manager at doc always did evaluation of the courses, um, when they were face to face and he asked for extra feedback from the, um, for all the online courses. And I just took every comment that came back, what worked, what didn't, and kept on improving the course. And I still do. All right, so what 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 were your courses and videos like back then and what are they like now what's the arc of improvement been like one i'm comfortable a lot more comfortable um two 
my students more comfortable for the last two years we've done this we've all been on video so people aren't as challenged by the thought of a course online the the things that have improved have actually been technology so i now use um camo and i use that um normally for my training and my filming i just use my iphone with camo and obs uh, so there's been a lot of learning of different programs along the way, but thanks to my IT background 35 years ago, learning new IT doesn't scare me, um, but it's always a learning curve. And what was the, and I just want to get back to this, the expectations of government departments uh, about the quality. So you're now making video courses for them. And I'm just, what, I'm trying to get a, a sense of and to explain to people who might be listening that uh, they don't think that they're, they're, they're video makers. How the heck could I make a, a video course and give it to a government department? That just seems beyond me. Can you put some context around that? Uh, I think initially I wouldn't have been a, or I wouldn't have been as comfortable doing it if I didn't have the face-to-face -face experience with with the Department of Conservation. So they knew me, they knew my product, and they were happy to try something new because they still had to do training. So that was my first courses. Now I'm able to give other government departments a copy of what I've done for DOC and say, hey, this works for DOC. Here's a person you could talk to. And so it's gone through this natural progression from no collateral to I've got heaps of it and I could give people examples of it. Um, and I'm in the middle of just doing a demo reel, kind of like a speaker reel, but doing it of this incident management course. So bits of each subject and I'm sending out emails and I'm giving them a link to my website where they could go and watch it. And if any of them want, I now give them a free or, or access to one of, uh, one of my other programs that they could go through the entire six hours themselves and see the content and then decide, do they want it generic or do they want it customized for their department? And where, and where are you now with video and virtual, given that we're going back into more and more face-to-face? -face, what balance have you found uh, with video virtual in your business? Well, so I've been full-time at Ministry of Health, and I actually finish in a few weeks. So I'm working myself out of um, health and back into the business. I've found that video is the ultimate leverage. Um, I'm spending heaps of time getting my videos good enough. And this is something you taught me. They don't have to be perfect. They have to be good enough because when I try to make them perfect, I'm not me. Um, and when I stumble through a thing and I leave the stumble, that's me. That's my, and I've learned to live with that. And so I expect that I'll keep doing and pushing videos, which gives me more time for consulting, which is worth a lot more money than training. So your video courses, how, just give us an example of uh, how long, like how much content is that? Like, you know, how many videos approximately, how long, and how long would it take you to create that finished product? 
Uh, how long it takes to create today versus two years ago is interesting. But uh, so my, my standard Sims incident management course, it's about six hours of videos. I try to keep the videos um, less than 10 minutes each. Um, a few of them have gone to 15 minutes, but try to make it so someone when they've got a few minutes could just jump in, do the next um, subject and then go back to whatever else they were doing. Um, using Podia as my learning management system, that's been excellent. They're a really easy system to use. Um, thanks to you, I started using Camtasia and the more, and that's from my video editing. And the more I get familiar with Camtasia, the easier the editing process is. Um, some of just little tricks that I've learned, the pausing, the come to a straight face, all, all stuff, you know, from you, that stuff really works when I'm explaining a PowerPoint, but it doesn't work when I'm trying to be me. So I found a good balance between here's the information that I'm going to unveil in front of you on a, on a slide. And then here's the story that goes with it. I, I'm a really good storyteller and that's where I really come through on my trainings. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, I'm doing the, the government department I'm working for now, same amount of videos. Um, some of it I'm able to repurpose, some of it I can't because it's been customized for an individual department. Um, it's probably, I, I'd say at least an hour of editing for every 15 minutes of video. And, and that's just to get all the contents, all the pictures, all the PowerPoint slides and all the bits that go with it, um, into it. And, and that's just a guess. And you mentioned there's a big difference between when you started making the videos and to the videos you're making right now with your experience level. How's that played out? It's been excellent. Um, when I did my first video program, I was using Film C. I think that's what it's called. And I was recording to my iPhone. My iPad was controlling the camera and doing all of that. And then I'd have to transfer it to the, um, my, my Mac to do the editing. Now I'm doing everything directly to the Mac, which makes life much simpler. Right. I do, I've got all my filing set up with Dropbox and local and backup files. So as soon as something gets shot, it gets backed up twice. So I don't have any worries about my hard drive dying or losing my laptop. But so that's all gotten easier, the particularly the editing. The the hardest part of the whole thing still is you have to I have to watch the videos, I have to hear my voice, I have to watch every time I close my eyes and um and all those things that bug me that no one else notices and I've got to watch them back. It's like when I had eye surgery several years ago, um, one of the stitches came loose and the doctor told me to come along with a friend and so he could fix the stitch. And I thought that was to drive me home. It was to hold me down 
because when you've got a scalpel coming at your eye, it's the one place in your body you can't close your eyes and not watch. And, and that's how I feel sometimes when I'm watching the videos I'm editing. I feel like there's a scalpel coming at my eye and someone just needs to hold me down and tell me to stay on course and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a great story. I, I I haven't even considered that. Yeah, yeah. I always make it. It's like I, I always say that making video uh, compared to public speaking, it's the same. But it's like a a, a ham video is like the hamburger with the lot. You're like it's got extra on it, and the extra is you've got to go through everything you experience with public speaking, but you have to watch yourself back again, and you have to relive it yeah. over and over and over again. Um, but this this is interesting. If you've been uh, uh, you know following what I've been saying, what is helping you then keep going forward? I mean, what's 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 the big takeaway lesson that you might have got about that? It doesn't matter. Just keep on pushing through. Um, just press the red button. Just record it, do it, get it out there. Doesn't have to be perfect. And um, one of the things I'm doing, I can't really go out onto LinkedIn and all my other platforms saying I'm back in business until I actually leave Ministry of Health. But I'm doing, as I think of something, I'll just grab the iPhone and do a quick selfie video. I'm building a lot of collateral to start going out there with um, in three weeks' time. Never thought of doing that until you... um, yeah, well, I I had thought of it, but I've gotten a lot more comfortable with the concept ever since that first presentation I watched of yours. It's it's been amazing. Oh, terrific. So, have you have you got any habits that you've learned that if anyone's listening, that's going to make their life easier? Uh, just the, the same habit I learn in all my other bits. Just do it. Um, procrastination is one of my big um, things. I I have to work past and five minutes of video editing is five minutes closer to the end goal. I I don't need two hours of time. I just need to get in there and do something. So that's one. And the other is just keep filming. And if you hate it, delete it and, and redo it. But the more, the, the more I get back into it, the less I hate the stuff. I just do it. I go, yep, that's me. Accept that's me and move on. All right. It's been brilliant. Look, lovely to have you share your story with us. Uh, Dave, if people want to catch up with you, where can they do that? Uh, e- easiest is Rescue Dave, R-E-S-C-U-E-D-A-V-E at um, .com. RescueDave.com is my website which needs updating. I'll, I'll say that right now. And um, yeah, they'll find me on um, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm everywhere. Terrific. Hey, brilliant. You just sit there quietly, smile, and I'm just going to uh, see us out, okay? Uh, talk to you soon. Sure. All right. If you've got something to say, but you're struggling to show up on video and say it, and if you want to communicate your business, your vision, your mission, then I invite you to watch my on-demand video authority masterclass. In it, I show you exactly how I use video to entrust authority and clients and how it is just becoming so wonderfully easy for you to do it too. And you can find that at www.julianmather.com.